say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. and welcome. You are listening to Passion for the Paranormal, bringing a passion for the paranormal to you. I'm your host, Curry Stegan, and for those of you who are return listeners, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you tuning in. For those of you who are first-time listeners to the show, thank you for joining us. I get a great show in store for you. So my guest is Preston Dennett, and Preston is a longtime UFO researcher. He has been researching the subject of UFOs for over 30 years now and has written many, many books on the subject. So it's great to have him on the show joining me. We're going to be talking about the 1997 Phoenix Lights incident, and we're going to be talking about a a few of the more recent developments in uh, ufology and the UFO community, Uh, a little bit about Tom DeLonge and To the Stars Academy and some of the information they've released, kind of get his thoughts on that. So it's really great to have him joining me. And uh, if you could, just head over to the Facebook.com page at Facebook.com slash Passion, the number four, the paranormal. And if you could please just like the page. And uh, if you could also rate the page. i uh, got a lot of more information I put out there on the site. So if you could just rate it. And uh, I'd also appreciate it if you could head over to uh, iTunes and rate the show over there. That's going to help me continue to move the show forward. So I welcome any thoughts you have as well. If you're not a Facebook user, and uh, there still are some out there that are Facebook holdouts, uh, you can email me at passion, the number four, the paranormal, at gmail.com. So if you have any thoughts, any ideas about things you'd like to see on the show, or any feedback you'd like to provide, you can also email me. I'll be more than happy to respond there. Okay, so uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into the discussion with Preston. I really hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so I'm here with Preston Dennett. Uh, Preston Dennett is a uh, well-known UFO researcher. Preston has written a a number of books on the subject of UFOs. A couple of his recent books are UFOs Over Arizona, A True History of E.T. Encounters in the Grand Canyon State, Inside UFOs, True Accounts of Contact, and his most recent book, Undersea UFO Base, an in-depth investigation of USOs in the Santa Canalita Channel. Uh, Preston, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, it's great to have you on. Um, I'm really impressed with the uh, the number of years you've been involved in US UFO research. Um, over 30 years now, I think, uh, from what I'd read, you started doing this back in 1986. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, 1986 is when I first looked 
Yeah, and and if you could just kind of for the listeners, if you could just take us through kind of how your journey started in uh, doing this, you know, going on this crazy journey of investigating UFOs and writing books about it and doing all these kind of interviews that you've done. Just kind of if you could just take us, you know, just kind of give us a short synopsis of how you got started in this. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I wasn't looking for anything like this. Did not think UFOs were real. Uh, was pretty hostile toward the subject, actually. Uh, very skeptical. But heard this report on the news about a sighting over Alaska. It's a pretty famous case. Captain Kenju Kiroshi uh, of a Japanese commercial airliner reported this UFO tra- tracking his aircraft. Uh, he saw it for quite some time and followed it, or it followed him, and uh, appeared on his radar. It was a great case. Uh, this came on the news, and none of those details were there. They just kind of joked about this pilot who was reporting this UFO and kind of moved on. He laughed nervously and moved on. And I'm thinking, my God, you know, this pilot is out of his mind. Uh, here we have a commercial airline pilot who is obviously hallucinating, <laughs> or lying, uh, or uh, something to this effect, misperceiving. And, but I couldn't let it go for some reason. And I remembered my brother said he'd seen a UFO. We all kind of just laughed at him, and he clammed up. So I went to him, and I'm like, could you hear about this pilot? And I uh, heard about what my brother saw. You know, I listened for the first time, and he described your typical UFO sighting of metallic objects with colored lights darting around. I'm like, wow. And he says, yeah, with my two friends, if you want to talk to them. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know them, Phil and Greg. Um, they were there to watch the whole thing. So that's how it kind of started. I found out my sister-in-law had seen a UFO over Van Nuys Air Force Reserve Base uh, with, with two other people. She later had a gray, an encounter with gray-type ETs, face-to-face, uh, full-on. My other sister-in-law was having encounters. Uh, I brought it up at work. People I'd worked with for years and years. People I you know, loved and trusted. We're like, oh, UFOs? I saw one. It was darting around. My whole family was there. We're all booing and eyeing. And Dorothy, she walks in. Uh, great lady. She says, oh, UFOs? One followed me home from the library once. Uh, me and my friend and my mom. I ended up interviewing all three of them. And they described this metallic saucer that was right over the car followed them home from the library in Koreatown, uh, here in Southern California. And she's like, it's really weird, Preston. It takes five minutes to get home. I know we left at nine. We left right when the library closed. We did not get home till 10.15. Don't know what happened at the time. And, uh, you know, she, this was back before Whitley Strieber's book had come out, Communion. Um, Bud Hopkins' book had, was missing time, had uh, just gotten picked up by a major publisher hadn't yet turned into a bestseller. I and mean, there was no, not a lot of media attention about this sort of thing, uh, missing time in particular. So here I am diving right off into the deep end, right in the beginning, uncovering cases of full-on abductions, landings and sightings, and the whole deal. So yeah, it shook me up. Not good news. I have to tell you, Curry, I was upset. I was not happy. I bought a bunch of books expecting to find out it was swamp gas or lies and misperceptions and <laughs> So you were really hoping that you were going to confirm what you had believed, correct? 
that they were really yeah, not real. Worldview. Right, and this is an interesting time because you're going back to the '80s here, and um, you know we're kind of in a. I I, I don't want to say I almost say want to say a new era with UFOs. I think it, I don't know if you agree. I think people are a lot more open to it nowadays than they were back in that time frame. So you were kind of, uh, you know, operating in a different, uh, you know, a different era back then when people weren't quite, didn't seem to be quite as open about it. Uh, there wasn't as much, I mean, it doesn't seem like there was as much information coming out, you know, in press and that sort of thing. And obviously we didn't have the internet. So that was, that must have been an interesting time to be involved in it and, uh, you know, to be actually talking about the subject. Times have definitely changed. Um, I think there's been a lot more focus on abductions than when I first got involved, uh, and certainly in UFO crashes and uh, ending the cover-ups, this whole sort of a disclosure movement was not nearly as strong as when I got in the field. Uh, n- much fewer debunkers. You know, you go on TV and there'd be some jokester who's attacking you personally. Or, you know, or on the radio, any, or you know, wherever you go, conventions even, there'd be these debunkers um, bashing you in your research. I don't know what other area of you know research has these people who are you know basically trying to break you down. Uh, it was unique to UFOs, you know, studying UFOs, and we don't see that hardly at all. Um, certainly, much less. So that's definitely a change. Another change is people allow me to use their real names much more often. So it's definitely looking up. It's, like you said, more well-known. It's almost mainstream. We're right there. Right, and, and that is that is encouraging to me. And one of, the, one of the things that I want to talk about, and this is a case that's been fascinating to me for years, is, uh, you know, we're, we just had the 21st anniversary of the March 1997 Phoenix Lights incident. Uh, and to me, this is one of the most fascinating and well-documented cases. You know, I'm not, my knowledge of UFOs and background in it goes back 20 years. It's not near as in-depth as yours. Uh, however, I have read a lot about this case, and it, it is a fascinating one to me. Uh, you covered this pretty extensively in your book, uh, Inside UFOs or UFOs Over Arizona. And, uh, you know, going back to the number of witnesses involved in this case and uh, the number of people that came forward was just astonishing to me. But I was wonder- I'm wondering if you could just kind of take us back, because I know you've done some research on it. Uh, it kind of what unfolded on that march. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
right off the bat, obviously unusual. Um, one guy who saw it said, oh, people try to tell me I saw a B-15 bomber. He's like, no, you could land 20 of our bombers on just one wing of this craft. Other people, now Luke Air Force Base is right next to Phoenix. And this thing apparently passed right over Luke Air Force Base. Uh, witnesses who live around the base saw jets from the base being scrambled towards this object. Uh, and some got really close to it. And they described these jets as looking like tiny little gnats, little mosquitoes, next to this huge, huge object. <laughs> right. And, yeah. We're talking F-16s compared to uh, possibly a mile-long craft. <laughs> Russell. Yeah, he just recently admitted that he was actually coming in for a landing at Phoenix at that time and saw it. Uh, there were people at aircraft towers uh, at the, the local airports there who also saw this. Uh, police officers, a lot of high-level government officials who refused to come out uh, and reveal that they saw this did actually see it. They eventually told uh, Councilwoman Francis Barwood that uh, which is a whole other thing we can uh, get into. But, yeah, this craft was over Phoenix for an estimated an hour, maybe. It came down south, pulled a big old U-turn, and went north, and may have circled around back again, or there may have been another craft, because there was multiple incidents on that night. And uh, eventually, it did leave, obviously, uh, no reports of abductions into the object, as far as I know. There was one family who said that as this thing passed over them, they all got this telepathic message, don't be afraid, you know, you're, you're in no danger. Um, we do not mean any harm, this sort of thing. Uh, which I find very interesting, because that turns up quite a bit in abduction cases, certainly, and in a number of other sightings. Uh, people do get a telepathic message precisely what this family heard. Another witness said that they watched an orb or one of these lights on the craft actually detach and start flying around. Uh, this is something that is reported in other cases. As far as I know, there were only a very few witnesses who saw this sort of thing on the Phoenix lights on that night. So yeah, I mean, what an incident. Uh, calls were flooding the police station flooded the local uh, New Fork, uh, also flooded into Luke Air Force Base. Uh, now, Luke Air Force Base released a statement like the next day or shortly after, said, no, we know nothing about this. We did not receive anything on our radar, and we didn't even get any calls. No, we did not receive any calls from anyone. Uh, that was obviously a lie, because people who called the National UFO Reporting Center that they had been referred to New Fork by Luke Air Force Base. And so right off the bat, Luke Air Force Base is lying on day one. Right. And they continued to release contradictory statements throughout this whole aftermath. And uh, you know, the aftermath was as big an event, <laughs> really, as uh, the event itself. And this thing caused waves um, 
through all levels of government, state government uh, and uh, federal as well. Yeah. A lot of stuff went down because of this massive craft that moved over a major U.S. city. Yeah, it's, it, it is a fascinating case. And uh, one of the things that absolutely just really just floors me is the number, and I, and I mentioned this before, the number of witnesses, but not just the number of eyewitnesses, but the, and I think you've already kind of alluded to this a little bit already, was the uh, consistency in the accounts uh, in terms of what they saw. You know, you mentioned the triangle type craft uh, flying that they were, they basically didn't hear any kind of sound. Uh, the other thing that I find interesting about this is there's been other UFO cases where um, jets have been scrambled. You know, aircraft have actually picked up um, UFOs or ground controllers that picked them up on radar. Uh, in this case, they didn't pick up anything on radar. And uh, to me, that was yeah. that that, that was th- that was quite fascinating. Um, I guess my question for you would be: You've done you've um, done a lot of research into a whole bunch of different cases. Uh, the would would you say that this is probably have in this case were there more eyewitnesses and just than just about any other case you've studied? Uh, well, I know that there was other incidents that were also very widely viewed. Uh, there was the Fatima incident in Portugal in the 1900s, early 1900s, 19, gosh, was it 07 or around there? Uh, and that was seen by like, I think it was 30,000 people. Oh, wow. Uh, that was before the modern age of UFOs. It was interpreted as a religious miracle. Uh, though recent studies by uh, various researchers seem to indicate that no, this was their standard UFO event. Uh, so there are, have been other very widely viewed incidents. There was an incident during the total solar eclipse back in uh, 92 or 91 over Mexico City. And that was also very widely viewed. Uh, there was a, over 30 videotapes made of these, this metallic object just hovering there in the sky. Uh, but yeah, this Phoenix lights, um, in terms of in the United States, certainly, I think it's the biggest single UFO sighting. And, uh, I mean, there's the Roswell case. That's a big case. Uh, but next to that, Phoenix Lights, I think, is it. Um, yeah. It's just a huge, huge event. Luke Air Force Base denied scrambling jets, though they later admitted they did have jets in the air. And what was also amazing was a number of people filmed this event. Now, a lot of the film wasn't that great, but some of it was. Uh, one lady, uh, Dr. Lynn Kite, she had been seeing UFOs prior to this. This was not really an isolated event, it turns out. This was sort of part of a, a wave of sightings. And uh, she had actually photographed a number of unusual lights in the weeks coming before this incident. So a, a lot went down, and what I find really fascinating is how our military reacted. They could see that this was a huge event, and as it was occurring, you know, after it occurred, they decided they're going to drop flares south of Phoenix, and it was these flares that a bunch of people filmed and photographed. And got- Say goodbye to your 
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I'm new sort of caused a media storm and uh, really publicized this event to the point where it just exploded like an atom bomb. So it was their own actions to sort of try and confuse the issue, I believe, that's yeah. what they were doing, Yeah. Uh, which led to this, you know, then being caught red-handed in a lie and trying to cover this up. All they have to do is say, we saw it, we don't know what it is, and that would be a great step forward. But no, they're deny, 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 lie, lie, lie. Yeah, I found that interesting too. And and you mentioned uh, Lynn, and I'll probably you know murder the last name Katai. Her her um a documentary that she did on this case uh, was interesting. And and one of the things that I, that I thought was interesting too is they had one of the uh, Air Force one of the Air Force air traffic controllers. You know, his face was blotted out. You know, you couldn't see his face, but he was actually being interviewed in that documentary saying he did see him as well. Uh, not only the Air Force air traffic controller, but Phoenix uh, Sky Harbor air traffic controllers also witnessed this, came forward. I mean, that's just so many credible witnesses that came forward on this case. And yet, you know, it, it, it seems like the Air Force must have changed their story. I mean, I, I'm a retired Air Force officer, but... You know, it almost makes the Air Force look absolutely silly how they dealt with this. I, I, you know, I completely agree with you. If they would have just said, yeah, we seen something, we don't know what it is, we're looking into it, and left it at that instead of initially getting calls and saying, yeah, we saw something, and then, no, we didn't see anything, uh, you know, that sort of thing, and, and even denying that they actually had scrambled jets, and there's eyewitnesses that actually saw Luke Air Force Base scrambling F-16s, to try and intercept these. So it just, yeah, it's amazing. And then the other story about the Air National Guard base in the A-10s at Gila Bend Range dropping flares. Well, obviously, these things were directly over the city. Things, thing or things, I'm not really clear whether, and Yuma kind of mentioned this too, how many craft were involved in the incident, whether it was one, three, five. Uh, but, you know, Flares just do not stay stationary and look like they stay in formation. They fall away, and uh, I, I remember seeing that in the uh, 
in in the documentary that you know there were several eyewitnesses, people that had had military time, former pilots that said, "There's no way what I saw were flares," you know, and I mean, right, that, yeah. that that's. contradictory statements and uh, it erodes our trust in them. It erodes their credibility and uh, does no good for anybody. When really, it's a simple matter of just saying that something was there. Because we know that that's true. There's no way that Luke Air Force Base was not aware of this. They were absolutely aware of this. Inside sources have now come out and said, oh yeah, we were on lockdown. It caused an entire you know, panic. Uh, that was completely denied. So it's really unfortunate. And I have to say that state government and federal government didn't act any better. I completely ignored it. The police force did not want to deal with this at all. Um, finally, came to sort of a head with the city council. Um, there was a councilwoman, Frances Barwood. Right. was approached by many people. Um, her story is amazing. And she's like, yeah, I heard, you know, she heard about these sightings and was surprised to find that no one was looking into it. And these reporters were approaching her and said, you know, we can't get any answers from anybody. Can you help us? She says, well, okay, I'll see what I can do. Uh, goes to the council and wants to unite them to contact Luke Air Force Base and various officials to find out, you know, to investigate this incident. Pretty simple request. But no, the ridicule doctor or whatever it was, prevented any other council member from agreeing with her. Um, so she took this hot potato single-handedly, and she says on the very first day, she received like 35 calls, and the second day it was over 100, and hundreds of calls came in after that from all kinds of people, police officers, you know, uh, executives, secretaries, housewives, uh, high-level government officials, she said, at various ranks. Um, contacted her, uh, all kinds of people, and uh, she ended up trying to get some answers. You know, she contacted Senator John McCain, right, uh, who also did not want to talk about this. Uh, he did try to get some answers and said, "No, I was stymied at every turn. Nobody will has any answers about what it was, or will even talk about it." Well, at least that's his so, story, yeah. and he <laughs> he's sticking to it. Huh? Uh, yeah, going back to Francis Barwood, uh, you know, that's, that's amazing because it took a lot of bravery for her to kind of step forward and, you know, and to try and bring to light what happened that, that night. And, uh, you know, like you said, it just seemed like the other council members were just looking at her like she had a third eye and, you know, you know, like they, they wouldn't even give it, they wouldn't even give it a, you know, a second look. I mean, it was kind of, that's what, that's what amazed me is the apathy, you know, if you want to call it that, I mean, just kind of the apathy towards the whole situation from the other council members was just, to me, was unbelievable as well. It was kind of like, you know, we're not even going to entertain this. Uh, are you kidding me? Um, and I, I yeah, thought that was I interesting. They were afraid and perhaps for good reason because this did not go particularly well for uh, Barwood. Yeah. She did, you know, a lot of investigating and got an enormous amount of publicity. Um, but some of it was not good publicity. She was mercilessly ridiculed in the press, right? And uh, ended up you know, losing her seat. Uh, tried to get 
in another office and lost that election as well. So ultimately, it cost her her job, which is really unfortunate. It, it is, and it, it's amazing that uh, that that really did cost her that. You know, kind of the. It cost her 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 job, her her job on the council, all that, just over coming out and and trying to seek answers from from the public around Phoenix area and just trying to get answers. It it really is unfortunate. The other interesting twist of this, uh, and uh, I wonder if you could comment about this, is is how at the time uh, Governor Symington dealt with the situation because, you know, he's later come out and spoke out about it. But um, what's your take on how he dealt with the whole situation? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds about it because what we here have a situation where a lot of people are looking for answers. Dwight Seidenson is the governor, uh, and uh, everyone's looking to – he's getting all kinds of calls. Turns out he's a secret witness and is telling nobody. He's in the closet and holds this press conference which marches out this guy dressed up as an alien and ridicules the entire event, um, really insulting witnesses and casting, you know, a bad light over the entire incident. Uh, it was a bad move, and he's apologized for it and said it was all very innocent and they were just, you know, trying to deal with the situation as best as they could. Kind of trying to lighten so the mood a little bit. Was to it. Yeah, they're trying to make light of it, but I mean, you know, this ridicule factor is a real problem. And uh, what they're basically doing is a cover-up. He knew the truth about it, and he's covering it up. And that's inexcusable. Yeah, the, the... So, To his credit, yeah, he did come forward, and that is awesome. And he gave a very long statement, actually, and described what he saw vividly. And to this day, remains one of the highest, you know, government officials to really report this extent of a sighting. Um, you know, yes, presidents have seen UFOs, um, generals, but there's you know, only a handful of governors and senators and people in high level of government who have come out and said, yep, I've seen this sort of thing. Uh, and he described it vividly. Right, and and the well, interesting yeah, thing about that is, is I mean, isn't it? It's pretty much political suicide once you do that. If if you ever plan on running for office again, you <laughs> you really hurt your chances at that point. So maybe he had already decided he wasn't going to run for office again. But I seem to remember him actually going. I believe it was on Larry King Live that he actually came on, and years later, I mean, wasn't it like ten years after he left office, or after the incident rather, that he actually came finally came out and spoke out about it. I mean, I, it seems like it was, you know, like eight, ten years after after the incident happened. And maybe uh, yeah, maybe my I, facts are not entirely... I'd have to look straight. that up, but it was some time afterwards. Uh, but yeah, it caused ripples for a long time. That There was all sorts of Freedom of Information Act requests from various UFO researchers, all of which were uh, eventually denied, uh, saying... There was a judge ruling saying, oh, no, there, there's no evidence of this. No evidence of the effort to search for documents would be worth looking into. And uh, again, researchers were kind of stymied into trying to figure out what this thing was. You know, whenever I think about the Phoenix Lights, I think of, you know, about the size of this object, right? Right. Here we have an object. It's a mile long. And it's half 
truth, because that's what most of the witnesses felt. But let's say it's a half mile, you know. This object could hold 40,000 people. I mean, it was huge. So I'm wondering who's in this thing, how many, you know, presumably it is extraterrestrial. Uh, I don't think that there's any evidence pointing towards this being a secret government craft. Uh, and that's evidenced, I think, not only by the panic that went on at Luke Air Force Base and the contradictory statements, but the fact that it flew right over Phoenix at a low level, turned around and went, flew over it again, and did it one more time. So uh, this right. is not how, you know, people test government aircraft. No, you're right. You're right. And that's the, that's the interesting thing is that was that was one of the, you know, the debunkers. That was one of the things they were throwing out there. And, you know, I... Like I said, I, I've spent a career in the Air Force and the Reserves, and that's just not the way experimental aircraft operate. They don't go operate over, you know, metropolitan cities. And, you know, they're they're out in, you know, deserts and that sort of thing operating in secrecy. They're not going to be out there flying over, you know, cities. And so that just kind of blows that theory out of the water for the most part. The, you know, the next thing that's yeah. been thrown, the next thing that's been thrown out there is could this possibly be Russian or Chinese? And even with this latest, you know, F-18 videos they put out there, that's even been positive. Is this possibly, you know, advanced technology that, you know, maybe they've leapfrogged us and we don't know about it? Um, I'm just curious your thoughts about that. possibility that that's the case. Uh, there's no evidence that they have anything like this and would fly, and why would they fly it over Phoenix? Uh, just doesn't make sense to think that this is foreign military aircraft either for basically the same reasons. Uh, what I think this amounts to is a display, a publicity stunt, if you will, on the, at the hands of the ETs uh, because if you think about it, they have got to know that they were being observed. Uh, they could. There's no reason for them to have done this unless they wanted to be seen. Right. And so I think that that was really the purpose behind this event. People did not report being particularly frightened. Most of the witnesses said that they were just in awe. No one felt, you know, terror or. Uh, wasn't a negative experience for most of the witnesses, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Right, and I thought that was interesting was, as well. Yeah, that the, that the witnesses really yeah. were kind of just fascinated and thought, wow, this is incredible what I'm witnessing here. I guess the other question I'd ask you, because this is one of the cases, I mean, there's a lot of reported UFO cases where they're saucer-shaped type craft or you know, much smaller type um, you know, craft that are that are witnessed. What and I really haven't heard of too many other cases, but again, my depth of knowledge is not near what yours is in, in research. You know all the research you've done on this. How many other cases have you? Well, I guess have you? Do you have some other big cases you know of where these kind of craft have been witnessed at this? I mean, with this size, do you think these were motherships? Uh, what's kind of your thoughts on that? run into any other case with this size of craft that close. Uh, some people have reported seeing giant motherships, and there's a number 
number of cases like that in the literature where people see huge, enormous craft. Um, definitely the, that, the size of the Phoenix Triangle or uh, even larger. Uh, but personally, I haven't run into a whole lot of these types of cases. Uh, most of the craft are described as between, I would say, a ball of light size, even you know, a tiny little golf ball, an orb, upwards of a just a normal-sized craft, you know, like the size of a car to you know the size of a house to uh, maybe an aircraft carrier would be the larger end of the spectrum, but nothing like a mile wide. Um, that's very rare, uh, at least you know in my own research and uh, you know thinking about other cases. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of reports of massive mother ships. Uh, certainly not that low, about 1,000, 3,000 feet up. So, uh, but yeah, the shape, uh, that's probably one of the more common types of shapes, which I guess it just, some people thought it was a solid triangle. Um, some people did think it was more like a boomerang kind of shape. Right. Uh, so there is some contradict, con- differences in what people saw. Uh, a number of people reported weird distortions around the craft. Some said that they could see stars through it at one point and it appeared semi-translucent. Uh, others said that the lights, uh, which were on the bottom of the craft, had to measure hundreds of feet across at least and were very unusual lights, had a sort of a gassy, milky kind of fluid appearance and did not reflect, uh, despite being pretty bright, you could barely see the object itself. Now the witnesses who got real close to it said that it was solid and it was a black metal and it did have a little distortion around it, but it was definitely a solid object. Uh, Some people just saw lights. Um, Those were usually the witnesses who were a little off to the side or in the distance. But yeah, it wasn't flares. We know that for a number of reasons. Not only was, was it not over Phoenix, there was people north of Phoenix who were seeing this in a number of different cities. And furthermore, Davis Monthan, who were the ones who were dropping the flares, admitted that they had been dropping flares earlier all that week. And there were no reports of UFOs, certainly not to the level of that night. Uh, so the flare explanation is a completely ludicrous uh, answer just not tenable right right I, I agree it's 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 amazing that 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 the military even put forth that explanation other than I think you had mentioned that people had caught even the flare incidents on camera but uh, you know when people are looking at these things flying directly over the city it's pretty hard to believe that those could be flares from aircraft operating on the on the range you know, on the bombing range out there. Uh, I'm curious to know, and uh, I I think you already talked about this a little bit, uh, any theories at all as to why? I mean, you already mentioned, kind of mentioned what you think maybe this was a display. Any, Any theories as to why they chose Phoenix as they, why they chose Arizona to do this amazing display? does have a lot of activity. It's one of the more active states. Um, I think one of the reasons is there's a, the top producer of copper in the United States. Um, there's a bunch of sightings over these various copper 
uh, mines and copper smelting plants. Uh, perhaps that was a factor. Uh, Arizona is also, you know, it's got a major hot spot, Sedona, uh, which has made the area somewhat famous for UFOs. It's had one of the most famous abduction cases in the United States, the Travis Walton case, uh, had a famous UFO crash incident, uh, the Paradise Valley incident. Uh, so by and large, Arizonans are a little bit more aware maybe of UFOs than the average state. <laughs> Perhaps that's a factor. Uh, I do know that it, this apparently caused waves at high levels of government. Um, there's some indication, some reporting that we went up to DEFCON 3, that it knocked out a satellite, and there was weird bursts of radiation, and the president, Clinton, um, went missing during this time of the incident, and was apparently called to uh, be alerted of, of what was happening. Uh, but yeah, why? It's crazy, because there's no real precedent for something like this. Uh, the closest I can think of is what happened to, you know, various UFO waves, like Hudson Valley in upstate New York had a bunch of craft coming low over the highway over a period of years. Um, this happened in Topanga Canyon, the subject of one of my books. Gulf Breeze, you know, there's these various waves that occur over a, sometimes large cities, sometimes small populations. Uh, but I don't know what else it could be but a publicity stunt or a display. Because uh, we know, I think as researchers, that UFOs, when someone's seeing a UFO close up, it knows it's being observed, and it's showing itself off on purpose. So why would they do that? I mean, what is going on here? Right. They're not, doesn't appear that they're trying to cause a panic, you know? They didn't land or anything. They, they didn't stay still in the sky, which would have been really extraordinary, because they had just stopped, parked for an hour. Can you imagine? Uh, they didn't do that. So what they did was this low flyover, and very leisurely, it was about 35, 40 miles an hour, not super fast, and just kind of lazily flew over the city and went on. Now, maybe they were tourists just checking out the pretty lights. I don't think so. I think it was a planned event to sort of raise the level of consciousness society to their presence right uh, it was the most famous incident of that year and it kind of examined these kind of ufo waves and the publicity the resulting publicity you'll see that something like this happens every couple of years whether it's gulf breeze or remember there was the uh say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Chicago? Yeah, that was just a couple of years back. Yeah. Yeah, so these sort of things seem to happen pretty regularly. Stevensville, Texas, um, that was more recent. Uh, and also very similar, by the way. So that's what I think is going on here. I think they're trying to get us used to their presence and so that we're trending towards open official contact. Okay, well, this is, this is great, kind of a great. Great segue into the question I want to ask you from here then, and that is, you know, all the years of research you've done on this, the the rabbit hole, I covered um, the New York Times incident and the uh, the video that was put out by To The Stars Academy uh, back in December. We talked about that. I'm curious to know, uh, basically, do you think the government, uh, to some extent, is involved or in contact with some of these beings. I mean, there's a lot of information out there that there is some level of contact. And I'm just curious what your what your thought is on that. If our government is in contact with them? Yeah, at least uh, some some ETs that are visiting us. Um, yeah, I think, I think they are. I, I think we know that they're aware of them. Certainly at the highest levels of government, you know, the generals and the people in the levels of Navy and the Air Force are absolutely aware of this situation and take it very seriously and are throwing a lot of money towards this uh, to study it and also to keep it quiet because I think we have a situation where we have acquired these craft, these UFOs uh, in rather large numbers. It's not just Roswell. It's not just the Aztec UFO crash in New Mexico or Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, or the Aurora crash in Arizona. Uh, I've written a number of books over various states, California, Nevada, New York, um, Arizona, New Mexico. They all have UFO crashes. Every state I've investigated so far has reported multiple UFO crash events. So what this means is that our military is neck deep involved with this subject. They have the craft, they have the bodies, they have hard evidence, they know it's real, they've got the alien technology, uh, so they know at least that. Now, are they in contact with these beings? Uh, yes, absolutely, there's evidence of that as well. And coming from places like Area 51 in Nevada, uh, Edwards Air Force Base, California, uh, and a number of other places, 
stories have come out. I mean, there was a story about uh, President Eisenhower. This was in 1953, I believe, um, having a meeting with ETs at Edwards Air Force Base, uh, which sounds wild, but immediately after it happened, um, stories were leaked about this. And as time has gone on, the stories that have come out continue to provide more information and confirmation of this event, which was a huge event, apparently, where each President Eisenhower met with ETs face-to-face, took a ride in their craft, according to some accounts, and had this sort of council with them. They wanted to disclose, and he didn't want to disclose, because um, it would upset our religion and upset our society to some extent. And uh, they wanted us to stop messing around with nuclear weapons because it was too dangerous. They, they said we did not know what we were getting into, and we wanted their technology. And they said, no, you're not spiritually evolved enough. We'll give you some spiritual lessons, which we weren't interested in. So it kind of came to an impasse. But it's my understanding that there's been a number of meetings like this uh, in New Mexico, um, meetings like this happened. And I know that the president were uh, informed to some level about this, uh, some perhaps more than others. But uh, there are a number of stories where people have met or seen ETs working with humans. Uh, that happened at Edwards Air Force Base much later. Uh, there were a number of government contractors who saw aliens working along with humans down at the underground levels of Edwards Air Force Base. Same is true for Area 51. Uh, same is true for Rendlesham Forest. Uh, Bentwaters up in England. There's a another fascinating case. There. Yeah, another fascinating so, yeah, case. We're working with the ETs at some level, but I'm not sure how productive it is. Um, I'm guessing the military is pretty upset about this whole UFO situation because we're outgunned. You know, they can come and take over at any time, and we'd be pretty darn helpless to stop military viewpoint. It's hard not to see these guys as being you know, something to be concerned about. Sure. So Sure, and I and I think I the definitely. I think the reason for the secrecy, um, at least initially going all the way back, if you go back to Roswell, say Roswell happened and you know we recovered bodies and that sort of thing. I mean it certainly stands to reason why they would want to have kept this stuff secret. We we were involved in the Cold War with the, the Soviet Union. Uh, we wanted to get our hands on the technology. You know, I mean, if we cannot control our skies and we cannot protect our skies from these things coming in, uh, that could very well create panic. So, I mean, I certainly do see reasons why the governments wanted to maintain the secrecy but are, are we at a point now where people are just more open and willing to accept this and that you know we're really i mean they're really shooting themselves in the foot by continuing to maintain this type of secrecy in your opinion yeah i think what it comes down to is power and money um, at this point they've got the et technology to create free energy uh well it's gonna have to come out at some point and they're going to keep that um, quashed as long as possible because we have an, basically an oil economy. Uh, it's run 
that corporate, you know, quasi military corporate uh, companies. So uh, they're not going to let this stuff out. They didn't have any say in it. And uh, sure. I think that's one of the reasons for the cover ups. They've also painted themselves into a corner. They've been covering this up for so long that to say, oh, it's real, is going to raise an enormous number of questions. Uh, a lot of people are going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing, a lot of head rolling, a lot of uh, people looking for answers as to who's responsible for basically breaking the law. Uh, and it's horrible to think that our own tax dollars are being spent to make us, you know, look ridiculous. The poor witnesses who see a UFO are taken on board one and uh, are told, no, you're crazy. You know, there's no such thing as UFOs. And that attitude has been fostered by our own government. Knowingly, they know full well this is a real phenomenon, yet they're still active in this cover-up. It's still going on. So, um, the good news is, I think it, it, it's ending. It is ending. Lots of whistleblowers right now. Yeah, so the, one of the things that I wanted to, to, to also mention and get your comments or your thoughts on is the, the, the problem with this field is it's so complex there's, you know, I mentioned the the rabbit hole theory, you know, it can go so deep. Uh, I mean, there's there's accusations that JFK may have been assassinated in part because of, one, trying to get control of the situation. And I don't really, honestly, when you get to these kind of levels of conversation, I'm not sure what to believe. I guess my question is, we, we know that the government has been involved in misinformation campaigns the CIA, you know, other government agencies, DOD. To what level can you believe some of this stuff when there's there's so much information out there and, you know, how much of it could be misinformation purposely put out there to make, you know, UFO researchers look crazy, to get them chasing the wrong, you know, scent, if you will, um, going down the wrong path as far as their research what, what's kind of your thoughts on that? Because I think this is one of the things that, you know, when I start to think about this, it, it really, you know, can kind of warp your mind to think, well, how much of this has been misinformation that's put out there? Right. Purposely. Uh, well, we know there's a lot of effort been put to sort of cover this up. And along with that would come disinformation and misinformation. Um, the autopsy footage is a good example. We don't know if that was the alien autopsy. Uh, real or not, and a number of stuff like this. Um, there are researchers who will take over a case and then start backtracking on it. Um, cases like Gulf Breeze or Billy Meyer, and all all these cases are surrounded in controversy, and uh, it gets very messy the deeper you look into this, and then you realize that yeah, it looks like there's been misinformation put out on a bunch of this stuff. Um, so I think that there are valid sources of information, UFO information, um, coming from civilian uh, UFO research organizations like APRO, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, founded by Jim and Coral Lorenzen, uh, was one of the first citizen groups to look into this situation because the government was mishandling it, covering it up, debunking things. So they sort of started out how to investigate this stuff. And I think 
what we have is a situation where the citizens have been forced to take hold of this and move it forward in a public way. And we've built this database uh, in such places as MUFON or New Fork, uh, which are publicly available and show the sort of uh, patterns that you can sift out what's true and what's not because so many people are reporting the same thing at some point. Uh, we know that where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, so people have said, oh, you know, abductions are mind control. Um, this is one of the rumors that's going around, or, you know, theories at least. Right. That UFO abductions aren't even real. It's a my lab, a military abduction. Um, I don't think that theory holds up. I think that it prob- probably does occur. But if you look at the vast number of cases of reported abductions, um, you can see that this is a real phenomenon. So you sort of start to build this database which allows you to make sense of what is really going on here. And I think we've got a handle of what's going on. We're being visited by ETs in rather large numbers. A bunch of people are being taken on board. They're being physically examined. Uh, I think that there's enough evidence now to point towards the ET agenda. You know that they're creating a hybrid race. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, we know that they're monitoring our travel into space. We know that they're taking the metals of our planet from various mines. Uh, we know that they're very interested in our environment. Uh, the messages that they give to people are very similar. We fall into three main categories. One is warnings, or uh, uh, warnings about environmental destruction, or nuclear proliferation, or pollution, or overpopulation, or our warlike aggressive ways, very, very common. Second would be alternative energy. People are often taken to the engine room and told, you don't need fossil fuels, you can run energy on electromagnetism. Mag- Look into that. Um, that's a huge theme that comes across over and over again. And thirdly would be messages about uh, spirituality in some way. And by that I would mean alternative healing methods, uh, psychic development, out-of-body travel even, uh, past lives, uh, consciousness exploration, all about that sort of thing. We seem to be very interested in that and raising our awareness and our enlightenment. Right. So I think that points towards the ET agenda. We've got a pretty good handle on what's real and what's not and what's disinformation. But, yeah, it's still a very sticky situation with, like you say, levels and levels. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple layers and, you know, you start... It it, it gets very, very um, complex as you start trying to peel the layers back here, the uh, the onion, if you will. But I'm I wanted to get your take. So I I briefly mentioned the New York Times article, the F-18 video that was released by To the Stars Academy. They just released another one. There was a couple, I think, in December. What what is kind of your take on this? Do you think this is kind of tacit um, government invo- DOD involvement to kind of slowly drip this in- information out? Do you think there's kind of an agenda here? Uh, I'm just kind of curious what your take is on that. Yeah, well, you're asking me to speculate something else. I, I don't know, obviously, what exactly is going on here. But I think what we're dealing with is, is there's so much pressure 
right now to disclose. There's so many whistleblowers coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, UFOs are real. There's a whole army of investigators. There is, uh, I think it's more than half the people now, uh, according to various polls, believe UFOs, believe our government is covering information up. So there's an enormous amount of pressure. And at the same time, there's this kind of traffic jam on the government side. They're not disclosing, getting any valid, real information from a high level of government about this subject. It's just, it's just not happening. So, and I think we've reached a point where it's explosive and they've been for- their hand is being forced. So if they don't do this, I think this is government-sanctioned, uh, this disclosure, they would lose control of the situation. Completely disbelieve them. Someone else is going to come out with the evidence. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure our government is even going to be the ones who really put forth disclosure in a big way. It might be a foreign government, you know, Brazil or Mexico or who knows, Canada. Right. Uh, I, I know that. Happen. I think it's going to happen. I think France has been a little bit more open on the subject than we have been with their, it seems to be from what I've read, the Cometa report, or I, I think it was a, a book or a report that came out. I want to say it was the French government. What, what I want, the other thing I wanted to ask is, is, is perhaps maybe the government, and I'm just, you know, I'm just going to throw this out here because maybe the government knows that some of these ETs, I, I guess, you know, I hear a lot of theories out there. Um, I've read some of Greer, Stephen Greer's work. Uh, I've seen the recent documentary he did. He did the Disclosure Project. He paints a pretty, um, you know, he paints pretty optimistic picture as far as what these ETs agendas are. I guess my point is, is if they all have, you know, these, they, they all have a, they don't mean us any harm. They truly don't mean us any harm. Why are they taking people at night against their will? Um, why are they doing these sorts of things? And perhaps is that, from your vantage point, maybe the government knows more than we do about some of this agenda, and is that maybe a reason why they're still not disclosing? Um, yeah, I think that's partly it. Um, I do agree for the most part that UFOs are not, and ETs are not something we have to fear. Uh, if they were truly hostile... Um, they certainly have the ability to take over our planet and hurt people um, at their leisure. And we don't really see that happening. Uh, yes, people are being taken, apparently against their will. And I have to tell you, I have to respect the poor abductee who has a terrifying experience and comes away, you know, medically devastated, can't have children, or, you know, comes down with cancer. Right. Or have, number of people have had some really devastating medical symptoms as a result of a close encounter or an abduction. It's not always good news. Um, certainly it can be a very, very uh, terrifying situation, uh, but I don't think that's their purpose or their intent or their agenda. I don't think they're coming down to say, let's hurt someone and it gives them pleasure. No, I don't think that that is their intent at all. In fact, the opposite is what um, I'm seeing. There's no evidence of, very little evidence of what I would call sadism or Nazi-like torture or anything like that. Uh, I do think the government is powerless to stop these abductions. That's one of the reasons that, you know, they're completely freaked out about this. 
because they can't stop people from being abducted from pretty much anywhere. You know, we're talking while driving or out of your homes, out of a condo, out of a hotel, very crowded areas people are taken from. Right. So these teeth are pretty powerful, but I don't think their agenda is to hurt people or scare people. I wrote a book called UFO Healing back in 1996. It was my first book. It uncovered 100 cases uh, in which people have been healed as a result of UFO encounter, which seems to be most of them intentional events uh, given to people. Uh, people have been injured, but most of those seem to be accidental. But yeah, there are cases where the ETs come down and they just operate on people and willy-nilly and don't give a damn about how that person feels. Um, that's just the way it is. Um, they're on a mission. They're going to get what they need to be done. They're going to use people whether they like it or not. And that's not friendly. I don't care what anyone says. I've talked to enough people who are like, no, you know, this was not good. And you'll never convince me that it was. So I have to respect that. But on a bell curve, their behavior, the ET behavior, is very similar to ours. Everything they do falls under the same umbrella of behavior that we have, but it's skewed towards the more positive end. We torture people. We kill people. We have wars. We're, you know, hurt ourselves. Suicide is one of the top ten causes of death. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of problems. Uh, doesn't seem to be the situation with them. Their behavior is much more positive than ours. Right. Uh, the other thing I'd like to ask is, again, you've done extensive research on this. Do you think there is multiple um, alien uh, races visiting us? Are there, you know, more than 10? I mean, just kind of a ballpark from your research. Kind of, do you kind of have a sense of, I know it's a, it's a difficult thing probably to try and track, but I mean, do you think there's a, a multitude of different race, alien species visiting us? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it's a, a difficult situation to get a handle on. In my own research, 50% about, or a little more, are some variation of gray-type ETs, all the way from the three-foot-tall guys to, you know, five-foot or five-and-a-half feet. Uh, humanoid, almost every case I've gotten of an entity has been... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Beyond the Grays, it would be Queen Mantis type. That's probably the second most common. Or perhaps uh, human-looking, or Nordic, as they're sometimes called. And uh, a few reptilian cases. And beyond that, it's pretty scattered. Um, there's short humanoids. Um, there's tall whites. There's light beings. There's all kinds of different humanoid shapes. And sometimes robotic. I think what we're looking at is an almost infinite number of humanoid types. Just a very, very wide variety. I'm guessing they all share genes. Um, I don't know this, but uh, the fact that ETs look just like us in some, case, in some cases, or that the greys are interbreeding with us, or hybridizing with us, would mean that our relationship is probably a lot closer to some of these ETs than we realize certainly raises serious questions about human origins. So yeah, there's a three, four, five main types, uh, probably a few more than that, uh, but not a whole lot that are directly interacting with the Earth and, you know, are sort of in our face uh, in the way that they are. So you and did yeah, some... All, type, all kinds of different types, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, so you did some research as well on your book on the Travis Walton case, another fascinating case in Arizona, uh, going all the way back to, I think it was 1975. Uh, do you, do, have you found, I mean, you've done some extensive research on abduction cases as well. I thought the interesting thing about this case is he just kind of turned up missing for like five days uh, and then was returned. Is this common in abduction cases? Because a lot that I've heard of have been seem to be a lot shorter in duration. Somebody gets loses two hours of time or, you know, four hours of time or whatever. Is this pretty, I mean, is this a pretty uncommon case, unusual case from your research? Yeah, I would call it an outlier. Uh, most people who have experienced a missing time abduction or, you know, an onboard experience, it would range in time from let's say 15 to 20 minutes to two hours, four hours perhaps, a few, six hours, possibly even one day. Beyond that, no, there's almost no cases like that uh, in terms of missing time. There are some contact cases, sort of the contact T case, I guess you would call it, where people meet human-looking aliens and they're taken to other planets and it's this big three, four, five-day adventure type thing. But in terms of missing time, no, but five days is very rare. It does happen. There are a number of cases like this, but only about a handful. Um, and that's not very much. It's statistically insignificant uh, when you actually compare it to the actual number of reported missing time cases. Yeah, the Travis Walton case is very unusual in that regard. So I've never uncovered a case. That's lasted more than a couple of hours. Right. Four, so, so four, six hours was about the longest I've ever um, 
talk to someone who's had that type of experience. Interesting. So, um, do we? Do you think in the Travis Walton case that those were grays that were involved in his abduction? Is, to me, that's what sounded like the description was. But curious, your thoughts? Um, yeah, yeah. It does sound like he saw the typical grays um, that many people report, such as Betty and Barney Hill and uh, a lot of other witnesses. Uh, there's different types of grays, and no one's ever reported. I don't want to say no one, but you almost never get people reporting the same exact gray being with the same identity, I guess. So it's hard to say, you know, what type of grays he saw and was it the same as Betty and Barney Hill and all these other people uh, who are seeing grays. And he also saw human-looking ETs aboard this craft as well, uh, which is something that does occur. Um not unusual for people to see not only greys but Nordics or praying mantis working together. So it does seem to be that they have some sort of a hierarchy or society uh, beyond us. We're quarantined to some, apparently, to some level. Uh, but yeah, uh, the greys is most common. I think that's what Travis Walton did see. And uh, but he also saw these Nordic guys. Interesting. So any uh, any evidence to suggest that some of these ET species may be in conflict with one another? Not a whole lot. You know, there's a few scattered cases here and there. Um, there was a case, a book called uh, The Buff Ledge Incident, I believe it was called, by Walter Webb. He described an abduction. This is up in Plata, uh, Illinois, where, where uh, two young adults were abducted a man and a woman and uh, taken on board this craft and ETs did tell him that yes there are hostile ETs out there and that they're at war with one of these races uh, and there's some footage here and there uh, which shows UFOs shooting at each other it appears uh, but this, uh, I haven't run into that really uh, at all uh, so does not appear. In fact, it's the opposite. Um, what I'm saying is that these guys are working together, and uh, there is no conflict. There may be discussions. You know, there's one abduction case I worked on up in Washington State, where a teenager was pulled out of his car in full view of his uh, mom and his brother, sucked up for this UFO, and even as he's being drawn up inside of it, they were he could. He was telepathically in contact with the ETs, and he could hear them arguing with each other about how, how to abduct him. You know, should they be doing it in full view of his family? Um, are you going to take the family too? <laughs> um, everything that they did to him, they said they, had, they argued about it and had this sort of vote about, okay, what do we do next? Uh, so they do have some discussions, but as far as I've seen, there's no warring going on uh, in, in between, you know, civil war type thing among the greys themselves or uh, between various alien races. Huh. What I have seen is us. We're the problem. We are shooting at these guys, um, trying to knock them out of the sky. And in some cases, UFOs will fire back and uh, will abduct people and not return them. So that's happened a number of times. Uh, particularly when jets are trying to intercept these objects, um, they'll be sucked up inside the UFO. 
Which uh, that has happened, particularly back in the fifties. Perhaps not so much now. So perhaps we know well, that I, we know their capabilities better now. So we know maybe maybe our aircraft know better than to try and engage them at this point. But back, like you said, back in the fifties, we you know we didn't know a lot about it, perhaps. And so so you know our aircraft are operating up there, probably thinking we've got to try and defend our airspace. And uh, yeah, I mean that certainly makes yeah, sense. Yeah, these guys are pretty advanced. Um really shook up the military when these guys came in large numbers because that is also unprecedented. You know, the modern age of UFOs began in 1947 uh, and at that point we had this huge kind of super wave which swept across the United States and the world and never really stopped. It's just wave after wave after wave since then. And while there have been waves of sightings recorded in past history, uh, there are at least some indication of it. There's no indication of this level of activity we're having currently and have been having since the modern age began in 1947. So if something's going on here, they're very interested in us. Um, I think it's a, the atomic age uh, is part of the reason that we're getting so much attention paid to us by these guys. Certainly has been a lot of cases of them flying over um, missile silos you know, missile bases, that sort of right. thing throughout exactly. the years. Yeah, they shut off a bunch of missiles up in uh, Montana and South Dakota. They were hovering over the Indian Head nuclear power plant in upstate New York, the Palo Alto plant in Arizona, the Diablo plant in California. <laughs> it goes on. So, yeah, they're definitely all about studying this nuclear power and warning us about what we're doing. Um, and, I'm, and going back to, you know, this is, it's kind of, I'll say I've been cautiously optimistic. Tom DeLong to the Stars Academy, the effort going on there, there's a lot of talk about it. And, and you know, that there's there's also a lot of criticism. There's a lot of criticism in UFO circles that there's there's a hidden agenda here. Uh, and, I, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. Do you think this... He's he's got some government insiders working with him. Uh, former CIA guys, uh, Louis Elizondo worked at the Pentagon. I'm just curious, your thoughts. Are you optimistic about this? Are you kind of cautiously optimistic? Where do you see this going? Um, I'm like you said, cautiously optimistic. I'm a little bit offended because the footage that they've released is not the best that they have. So I'm not sure what Tom DeLong has hands on, or if he's being you know uh, led along so to speak, garden path, or what exactly is going down here. But it's my understanding there's more coming down the pipeline. There's more evidence coming. Um, I'm very pleased to see that someone with influence, you know, whether it's a musician or uh, government insiders, is moving forward with this. There's been no movement. So in my mind, this is fantastic news. It's been a traffic jam for a very long time. But to have just movement at all is great. So I'm loving it. I'm loving that this is a step towards disclosure, even if it's a date step. And uh, whether or not we're being led down some sort of agenda that may end badly for us or not, it's, I think, too premature to say, um, unless you're in the know or know something I don't, which obviously is really possible because I don't know. And I'm just speculating here. Um, certainly I know what the buzz is in the UFO community. Um, but there's going to be more footage. There might even be physical evidence, metal fragments, things like this. 
But until we see the body, until we see the alien craft, I don't think disclosure like this is going to make much more than a ripple in society. I've talked to a number of people who are not interested in UFOs, and I'm like, did you hear about this disclosure event? Almost to a person, they're like, no, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I did hear, thought I heard something on the news, and that was it. They're back to watching their TV show or their sports game or whatever they're interested in. Right. only having a faint little effect right now. If it goes on and it gets bigger and bigger, I think we're going to see something, you know, more of an effect. Where it's all going to end up, I don't know. But right now I'm optimistic about it. I'm really pleased that Tom DeLonge has diverted his energy and influence towards this subject. There's been a lot of musicians who have seen UFOs and have gone public with it. You know, John Lennon is a good example, uh, but didn't really, you know, talk much about it. And uh, Tom DeLonge has been involved with this for quite some time. And uh, I do hope that he's uh, not being pushed around or it, that he does have access to some high-level stuff. I'm very eager to see what he can bring out. Uh, but I think it's tightly controlled. I think this is a very much a uh, <laughs> a play. If you or like a, you know, they're very tightly controlling every step of it. A plan that they've got put together here, and uh, obviously the people at the highest levels who are covering this up, have, they must have their blessing to do this. Otherwise, I don't think it would be occurring. But yeah, you can see what happens with it. They are approaching the subject very, very delicately. Uh, now they're moving forward with it, uh, which I, I guess to some people it's been very frustrating. They feel like it's kind of like there's a whole bunch more out there that they think these guys know than they're letting on to believe, but perhaps it, it, it almost seems like they're, you know, at least the government, when I say the government, the DOD, uh at least has some sort of tacit level approval. Otherwise, why would, uh, you know, Luis Elizondo be coming out and releasing this stuff without having some government insiders he's working with now that he's outside of, you know, working for the DOD? And um, there's even the interesting theory that the government is, this is part of their effort to slowly start to drip this stuff out and then eventually, you know, we're going to get to a point where their hand's almost going to be forced. And uh, and then you get to the interesting argument about, is the government going to use this uh, as an agenda to start weaponizing space? Are they going to go that route? Right. You know, and that that's another interesting twist to it. Uh, is the government well, really... We're already seeing, by the way. Trump, it, President Trump started talking about that, creating a military space force. So I'm like, oh, God, you know... This was predicted, and that's one of the bad results of this whole thing, uh, is sort of declaring war on the ETs and that we need the Space Force to weaponize space. Hopefully that's not what's happening here, but it's certainly one major concern. Yeah. And, and I think that's one that uh, Dr. Greer has, you know, continually voiced a concern about, uh, you know, is this is this going to be... You know, the government is eventually going to slowly keep dripping this stuff out to a point where they're more or less, you know, some people call it soft disclosure. I don't, you know, who knows? Yeah, well, but, they start declaring war on ETs, then we know we're in trouble. Yes, and, uh, I agree. That was, that's just ridiculous. 
But it is an interesting twist. It is an interesting twist to the argument that, uh, you know, that that we might start using this to... We're going to see some changes for sure, I think. What we're going to see is disclosure happen eventually, probably within, you know, our lifetime, I'm guessing. Uh, Disclosure to the point where, yeah, we're going to see, we're going to know. It's going to be conclusive. We're going to see it. And if that does happen, I think we're looking at open official contact. And uh, that's going to really change the world. That does occur. Yeah. Who knows when? <laughs> I hope it does happen in my lifetime, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it certainly is. Ex- certainly seems to be exciting times. The the way things are progressing, although it is very slow pace, I think for a lot of people are getting impatient with you know to the Stars Academy and, yeah. and where they're going with it. But um, it certainly seems like overall, in the bigger picture, it's a step in the right direction. I would agree. Uh, well, you know, we're, we're kind of get running short on time. I, I'm just curious, as far as your research you're doing now, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're continuing doing your research and, and stuff. Are you have any more books on the horizon, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm putting out a series called Not From Here, which is basically a collection of my various articles I've written over the years on the very more unusual aspects of UFOs. So I'm working on that. I just had the book released, Undersea UFO Base, so I'm doing a lot of work publicizing that, and also working on a book, a reissue kind of, of uh, UFO healings. I've uncovered a bunch more cases, more than twice the number I originally uh, uncovered, so that's a huge project. I've got like mm, got 10, 20 books I want to write, so I'm busy. It sounds like it. <laughs> uh, well, if you ever do decide to do a UF, UFOs over Utah book, I'd be more than happy to work with you and do a little research with you on that. <laughs> we've got a very interesting, uh, you know, we got the Uena Basin here, the Skinwalker Ranch. There's been a lot of reported sightings. You probably may have heard some of that. Uh, there's been some interesting activity reported over in that area, which is actually not maybe about an hour or so. Um, south, southeast of where I live in the Ogden area. So uh, there's certainly been some interesting paranormal, not just UFO activity, but paranormal activity reported in that UNA Basin area and near Skinwalker Ranch. I'm sure you've probably heard of some of that. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's great to have you on and, and talking about all the research you've done and all your, your knowledge base on this subject. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking with me and uh, hopefully down the road again uh, you'll get time to come back on and talk again hey, yeah my pleasure this is a subject i take very seriously i think you can solve the energy crisis the economic crisis and the environmental crisis one group if we just release et technology and change the world so yeah i appreciate you having me on the show and uh, had a blast yeah we'd love to do it again yeah it was great great discussion uh, again thanks a lot for for coming on and, and talking with me and uh uh, best of luck to you and all your future research. I'll be looking out for any of the new books you put out there and uh, any of the new work you do. Awesome. Yeah, thanks very much. Great. All right. Thank you, Preston. Okay, once again, a big thanks to Preston Dennett for joining me on the show. He's got a vast amount of uh, knowledge on the subject of UFOs. As I said before, he's written many, many books on the subject, and it was great to hear his thoughts not only on one of the most fascinating UFO cases ever, which was the 1997 Phoenix Lights incident, and kind of his thoughts on some of the more recent uh, events in the UFO community. So uh, 
If you're looking to uh, find any of his books, if you just Google his name, Preston Dennett, you can find his books on Amazon. They're all on there. Or if you you want to go directly to his website, his website is prestondennett.weebly.com. And uh, you can go on there and I'll link you to Amazon as well if you want to purchase any of his books or his materials. And... Uh, Another thing I want to mention, and I said this before, uh, just a reminder, if you could please go to the Facebook.com page at Facebook.com slash Passion, the number four, the paranormal. And if you could like and follow me there, uh, and if you could also offer a review on the page, that'd be great. And if you could also head over to iTunes, if you have the iTunes app on your phone, you can head over there and rate the show. Please help me to move the show forward. I had some great guests on the show. Last month, I had Jeff Olson talking about his new book. And his near-death experience, fascinating case. And then I just had Preston on the show. I've got some other great guests lined up. Some great things happening on the show. So please offer your comments and your thoughts on there. I welcome your feedback. Once again, if you're a Facebook holdout, you can always email me at passion4theparanormal at gmail.com. And uh, you can offer any feedback there. I'll be more than happy to respond to you, like I said before. Okay, again, great things happening, and uh, if you want to also look for some of the material from guests I've had on the show, I'll have those on the Facebook page. You can also find books and, and other content there on the page. So once again, thank you so much for joining me. Happy Easter, everybody, and uh, look forward to uh, the next show. Thank you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.